You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go my man. To another episode of The Long Two. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach. And that barking in the background is Burt Macklin. We are a Carmelo Stanthony podcast, but occasionally talk fantasy basketball. Uh, Natty, how you doing? I'm all right, buddy. How you doing? I am good. Uh, listeners who subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast, uh, well, the Fake Teams channel, and thus get all of our podcasts, and those who listen to this week's RB1 podcast, our fantasy football podcast, will already know the melodious noise and sound of my little puppy who is crated next to me and is a little rambunctious. Yesterday he was barking because we were talking about Tom Brady not playing for the Patriots and he needed <laughs> to poop. Uh, today I'm not sure what he's barking about because I've already taken him out. And he hasn't needed to poop, so we'll see if he eventually settles down. Now that I'm a, uh, now that I've broken this silence with my voice, we were getting set, and uh, so both Becca and I were quite getting into the thing, and that often lulls him. And then once there's kind of noise, he gets a little excited again. Hey, man, he's a puppy. It's it's all still brand new, you know. He's still everything. getting used to everything. Everything is new. Um. Now, I do want to quickly, I'm going to hijack the opening of this show, uh, despite Bert's best efforts, and call me a homer, or, or, or you know, whatever, but I feel like I would just like to sit down and address this glorious ascension that we have seen from Jason Tatum uh, recently over the last, I don't know, three weeks. Um and I want to give credit where credit's due because a lot of this, the reason why I was whew, sparked by this notion, I've been watching some of the games, but mainly uh, on SB Nation, Michael Pina uh, wrote an article about Jason Tatum becoming a superstar right in front of our eyes. And uh, so you should go read that on SBNation.com. But it got me reflecting on how he's been recently and Natty, he has reached that high level that I feel like everyone, Celtics fans, obviously, most most notably, but all basketball fans were kind of thinking he could hit. He is, let's see, in the last 10 games he's played in, he's scored 20 plus points per game. He's top 25 in the year in points per game at 22.2. Uh, he's been fantastic since the calendar turned Boston is nine and one in their last 10 games. And I gotta say, I feel like there's a lot more there. Um, I don't feel like he's a finished product at all. And I do, (laughs) it's funny, but like, what would he look like with his own team? You know, <laughs> are you trying? Are you trying to create some of my uh, my Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid can't be together drama? It's just that when you see someone ascending, as you said, uh, it's you you start to think of them as like, okay, well, if you're a super duper star, then you get your own team, right? Mm. And all of this is occurring within a team context in Boston that is dependent on uh sharing and um like attacking the opponent as a wave rather than just five individual particles and uh i don't know that tatum would look this good on a different team i do think that some of this is the people he's playing with i mean jalen looks great like everyone just looks good the Celtics in Um, general look good yes you are right natty thank you for noticing yeah it's just a really well you know, coach team this year. And I sort of wonder whether Stevens will get any recognition for that, 
Um, I think so many people are like, oh, well, Kyrie leaving means then, of course, everything's going to be good. Like, yeah, (laughs) not really. They still lost one of the best players in the NBA and they have a weird center rotation. Like there are still real weaknesses in Boston. Um, but Tatum is not one of them. He just looks so fucking fantastic. And he's what is he 22, 21, 20. Yeah. Fucking like he's one he's years done. old. What yeah. in the flying world of shit? Um, and the biggest thing that he, that has kind of clicked for him, obviously his three point shooting has always been something that's, I won't say streaky, but something he's certainly been working on. And that is spot up shot has been getting really good and really on point this season. Um, but as a Celtics fan, I can tell you this, his driving to the rim, that that was kind of yeah. the thing that he needed to really click in order to take the step that we're seeing from him because he would get to the hoop and wouldn't be able to finish with regularity. I think he was finishing like six, uh, 50% of the time around the rim. And, and now he's brought that number up to 60%. Um, and that is something like, cause because of his size and his length, he has Giannis-esque abilities to just get to the rim. Like, I, I don't see many people in this league being able to prevent him from getting to the rim. And now that he's been able to start scoring, you know, more than 50% of his shots at the rim, he it's adding such a new addition to this, to this game that's allowing him to, like you said it, but over the last 12, he's averaging 26.6 points. And you add that with 6.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and then he's getting it done on the defensive end, 2.3 stocks uh, over the last 12, 13 plus minus. Uh, he's just been playing out of his mind and and is playing like, I saw this on, on NBA's, NBA.com's MVP ranking ladder, whatever it is, that he was, I think, coming in at like eighth or ninth right now. I even even uh, even diehard Celtics fan Pete Rogers can tell you that I don't think Jason Tatum is winning MVP this year. Uh, I think it will happen for him. But the fact that he's in that conversation is legit, given this run that he's had. And like what you were also saying, given the run that the Celtics have had and, and how that run has correlated with Tatum just suddenly becoming the all pro all star top what? 20 player in the league that we thought he could be. Yeah. Boston is comfortably in the third seed uh, in the East. They look great. Um, Tatum is driving 10 times per game so far this season, which is the same as Giannis. Uh, He is still such a young player (laughs) and he still hasn't really played that many basketball games in his whole life. Um, especially compared to, you know, guys just like a couple of years older than he is. So I really do think that this is a sky-high trajectory. And, you know, you and I have said before that we consider him a guy that could be an MVP. Totally. Um, like, we both feel that way about Brandon Ingram, too. Like, dudes that can just score. Like, we we both agree that eventually Tatum will be scoring at least 25 a game, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I think that I think it's safe to say that this run that we've seen him over the last, you know, 12 games, that that within the next one to two years, that will be the norm for Tatum. That's a that's a normal stat line for him. Boston just looks like they have all the potential in the world. And um, I am still a little skeptical of their playoff chances this year, especially because Toronto's on a 15 game win streak and like dudes are still injured there um and a full strength toronto i think Is would just be absolutely terrifying yeah yeah um the bucks they got uncle marv i love that man <laughs> absolutely this is i thought of you when that news broke because i was just like wow this is beautiful this is like the greatest moment in natty's basketball life is the fact that a man Mm -hmm. whom he has spoken lovingly about for i mean ever since you've joined fake teams which is going on three years ago roughly is that right yeah i love him he's always just like been in the wrong place at the wrong time and now he's with the bucks with Giannis in that system like i Will he do anything? Is he going to become a household name? Maybe not, but he's certainly going to be a very 
key role player for that team. And now has a chance at a championship. So good for you, Uncle Marv. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that Houston was going to try to get him because he would look absolutely spectacular there, especially now that they don't have a center, really. Um, Poor PJ Tucker. Dude, he's, I, I mean, he's my cell. Hard. <laughs> it's, Jesus. Yeah, because he's, he is six foot five, 34 years old, and is going up against what? Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert. Like, take your pick of all the big men in the West. Dude, it's not just that. It's like we've seen shorter players uh, credibly defend larger ones before. Like most notably, yeah, exactly. Big Ben going up against Shaq and and like everybody. Uh, Draymond, you know, like Draymond's taller than P.J. Tucker, but not by much. Um, So we've seen people, (laughs) I, I think the polite way to put it is low centers of gravity. But what it really means is you have a big fat ass and like huge tree trunk legs and thighs like just like zion you know like dudes with lower halves that are big um and so i do think that tucker can do it the problem is that this is a d'antoni team and he's just gonna wear these motherfuckers down and then you know when tucker or robert covington aren't playing center for reasons x y and z like who, who is like houston gets so thin so fast and you know, D'Antoni and people have been talking about like, yeah, well, we just thought that like we could go ultra small and this is, you know, like an experiment and blah, blah, blah. I think that they wanted to get a center and they couldn't. And this is mm, their best interesting. spin because like, it's crazy not to have someone who's at least like 6'10 or something. Or like, how could you not work to try to get Tristan Thompson bought out? Yeah, that something? one, that, that the what the Cavs are doing is perplexing to me. Now that you have Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., like you have a lot of big men there crowding that area. And maybe they're just going to Andre Iguodala, Kevin Love, and be like, hey, we'll pay you to just not play, uh, which I think Kevin Love would certainly sign off on right now. But it isn't, it was a weird move. And I guess we're doing a little uh, trade deadline recap, but I want to bring it back to Celtics, but we'll, we'll bring it back later. But, uh, yeah, the, they do so whatever. That's what I was going to say. Why didn't the Celtics make a move? <laughs> I feel like there was a move to be made, especially given how Tatum and Brown and, and Hayward and Kemba have all been playing together, that why not try to go for a championship this year? And why not try to make a move? I I don't know what that move would have been. It, I don't think it would have been Clint Capella. I would have very much enjoyed watching Clint Capella play here, but I... I don't know if that would have been the move that puts them over the, the top, but I did hear about uh, there was the rumors from Washington that they wanted two firsts for David Bertans, which the Celtics have three firsts this year. So I feel like that could have been a move that was maybe made. And it probably was just the wizards being like, we're going to get put out an astronomically high price tag on David Bertans. Cause we're definitely signing him again. And we don't want to get rid of him. but it seems like the Danny Ainge could have at least called up and been like, Hey, you wanted two firsts. I've got two firsts. Who says no. I tend to think that um, the trade deadline proved us correct this was a very difficult year to make trades i think that a lot of teams did want to make trades they just failed they couldn't find something that actually worked and that enough teams were interested in you know like there's like detroit made that trade just because they don't want to have to pay drummond that's the only reason they made the trade and you know that because they didn't get anything back so it's like okay cool i want to give i want to give you i want to give you the the platform here to address that trade because you pistons fan uh i'm sure i have lots of feelings on this trade because it 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 was not a win for detroit it wasn't really a win for anyone i keep trying to write about it and i keep just getting like really pissed off but from like both directions now yeah i the thing for the pistons is okay fine you know like you tried it with blake and drum you've been trying it with drum forever you they just can they failed every step of the way building a competent team around drum like it's not his fault you should have been able to build a better team than this um 
even though he seems like a bit of an archaic player now, like a dude that can get you rebounds like that has a place in the NBA. It might not be for 20 plus million dollars a year, but it's definitely there. Um, and he's 25 years old, 26 years old. Like he's fine. Uh, so Detroit's just getting out of salary. They tried it, like just got injured, even though it was great last year. Well, great, but he looked great last year. It just didn't work out. And, um, the Pistons don't even want to have like the option of Drummond signing into his option and costing them in their eyes, $30 million. So, uh, they're going to tank slash rebuild around Blake. Uh, I'm sort of surprised they couldn't get rid of Derrick Rose, but I wonder if maybe he wanted to stay because he has been looking so good there and maybe that makes him comfortable and he wants to keep doing that. Yeah, which is because is he on a one-year deal? I think he's on two. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah, it could be something where he wants to finish finish the season with Detroit because it's a great platform to flash his stuff and then maybe tries to push his way out in the offseason. Yeah, or maybe they were like trying to put... I mean, I think every team tries to make a trade at the deadline, not just the uh, playoff teams. So I'm sure that like a thousand trillion phone calls were made and things just didn't work out. Do you have that number in front of you? Is that scientifically backed up? Yes, that's doctor. My doctor gas mask is on. Oh, wait, I can't get one because everyone keeps buying these things and they don't fucking help you guys. Okay, like these are little particles. They're microscopic particles in the air. They can get through cotton. Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> um, the the thing that has upset me more since the trade happened, because I understand for Detroit, if they just decided, okay, this is done, we've had enough, we're getting rid of salary, yeah. then fine. Yeah, that's what you did. Um, the, the Cavaliers like, still don't have a fucking small forward, man. <laughs> like, We've been talking about this for a long time. Like, I, I'm pretty sure Chidi Osman is still the only dude whose designation yeah. is actually small forward on that team. And it is absolutely poor management to have so many of those players in the front court and not be able to get rid of any. Like, they should have just done the same thing the Pistons did. Take a fucking, like, crappy second-round pick. Who cares? Like, Larry Nance Jr. doesn't need to be on your team if yeah. you're going to trade for Andre well, Drummond. And Tristan Thompson seems like a player who many contenders could have used. The Clippers certainly could have used him. But it's like they could buy him out too. Right. And there there seems to be like conflicting reports. Maybe Tristan wants to stay there, but now maybe he's like willing to get bought out if like they just keep crowding the front court and taking away his job. He's a young dude too. Like he wants to play too. Hey man, um, spoiler alert. Cavaliers don't know what they're doing. I just can't believe that they're like, if if you want Drummond, that's fine. But then you have to do what's right by the players. And like, you can't get rid of Kevin Love. Fine. That's cool. But (laughs) you can come to an agreement with Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson. Like you can buy those guys out so that they can go get a shot somewhere else and then get another deal in the off season. You might even end up making more money that way. Um, I just can't stand this dude because it's like you have two young guards you're trying to improve. And it's like, if your team's geometry is all screwed up and is all polar rather than having anything in the middle, except for cheaty Osman, then that's <laughs> malpractice. Like how are these guys supposed to be able to mature yeah. when you have such a stupid team? Should we progress then away from the Cleveland Cavaliers and progress to some fancy basketball talk? Yeah, sure. I'm really sorry, by the way, <laughs> Cleveland. Like, I love drum. This whole thing sucks. I, I bet. Ugh. There's just, it's, there's in that ugh. exact trade, there, there were no winners. It sucks for everyone. <sighs> Jesus. And like watching him and Kevin Love together is just like, what the fuck is going on with all these people? Why is everything so terrible? Anyway, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's talk some, uh, some players were buying and selling. It's the, uh, all-star break this week so it's a shorter basketball week so now is the time i like to use this time since there's no game starting what thursday's the last day of games um Mm -hmm. i like to use this time as a roster reflection you know you've got the long weekend to kind of reevaluate your team look around your league because i know for me personally i am so wrapped up with my life and puppy and 
work and all of that kind of stuff. I, on Monday mornings, when I'm writing the forecaster on faketeams.com, I set my lineup for the week and then I forget about it, right? That's when I add and drop players is on Monday. And that's when I set up my lineup for the whole week. So the long weekend gives me a chance to, there's no games going on, look around the league, catch up and how other players, other teammates are doing or league mates are doing uh, and start looking at their rosters and seeing, all right, who am I looking to pick? At? Who am I going to be taking? Who am I going to be ditching? Um, so we have two each. We have two buys and two sells uh, for you today. Natty, why don't you start us off? Let's start with some buys. Who's a player that you are buying in fantasy basketball right now? This will come as no surprise, but I am <laughs> buying Jeremy motherfucking Grant. He is 25 years old. He's 44% owned right now. He's been a top 50 player over the past month. He is shooting 39.8% from three on the season. Since January 1st, he's averaging 13 plus points per game, four plus boards, a steal per game, and 1.3 blocks per game. He is, I presume, going to continue to get minutes for the rest of the season because Denver will want Paul Millsap to be fresh. So while Jeremy Grant might not start every game, he will be playing a lot. And I think it was a little rough of a transition getting into the rotation this year. Like Denver just, they seem to remember the beginning of the year when they just seemed so weird and like Jokic wasn't playing. And it's like when Jokic still had all of his beer weight on. Right. Yeah. And people are questioning him. They're like, Oh man, they just spent all this money and he's fat. You're like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's October. (laughs) Hey, guess what we all do when we're not working, have fun and enjoy ourselves. It's okay to show up to work when the season starts, maybe a little out of shape. And like people say this about Embiid all the time too. And I just want to say something. Go when ahead. your feet go, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to go off on a rant. When your feet go, everything else starts to go too. And for bigs, they put so much pressure and weight and force on their feet all the time that it's really important for them to rest their feet in the off season. That means like not exercising your legs as much as everyone else who can like be like running marathons all off season, like really getting into the gym and doing all this shit. Like I'd rather have my bigs resting their feet and then sort of play yourself into NBA shape in the season rather than someone just like trying to get into peak physical condition. And then you fucking get injured three weeks into the season. Yeah. And that's how it happened. I mean, like that's, Unless you, if you're a quote unquote small guy in the NBA, you can, you can do that kind of stuff or LeBron LeBron also is just can't get hurt somehow. But, uh, but yeah, right. Like traditional bigs. If you do too much too fast, that is exactly how you shorten your career with a knee injury. Dude, like Greg Oden. I mean, when Greg Oden figured it out at Ohio state, he turned into an absolute monster and he could have been a really good basketball player in the NBA, but those fucking injuries, man. And I mean, I'm not talking about like get fat in the off season and be, you know, sort of a jerk about it. Like Shaq was a couple of times, (laughs) but uh, you know, like swim or something like just try to stay off your feet because seriously for bigs, it's like the most important. That's why shoes are so fucking important in the NBA. Like these guys have to get special shoes made for them. They wear them out. It's crazy that dudes are so big and fucking running around all this time anyway. Um, so Paul Millsap, keep him fresh. Jeremy Grant will get minutes. Plus he's a buy. Yeah, definitely a buy. I like that pick. And he's also, I also always like buying players when, who, who were made, who teams made moves for in the off season. Like obviously some, yeah. some trades or some signings are just kind of like, Oh, okay. This is a role Dude. guy who, who's, you know, we'll have some, some small spot, but we're not really trying to make a big move for him. But the fact that the, but that was not Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, the nuggets actively made a big move to go get in a, 
crazy salary dump from the Thunder. Uh, Dude, for a pick they don't need. And if they had him, oh, God, just imagine how much better that team would be. Fuck. Yeah. So Jeremy Grant is great, and the Nuggets know that. They went and got him for a reason. And so I think you're totally right. You want to buy a player, the young guy who they're going to – who they want and they want to develop and they want to kind of integrate into into their team. Yeah, he's going to be the guy that's going to be running with Joker for the next three years. He's going, you know, when Millsap's gone, or if he resigns for, you know, like cheap money just to stick around and be awesome. Um, but Grant's 25, you know, and he's a 3D monster. And it seems like people like him where he's been um, on the teams he's been on. So I just think that he has a real sky high potential and now he has an opportunity because the path forward for denver is to try to keep cheaper assets like jeremy grant because they're going to be that team as a whole is going to be very expensive very quickly yeah uh well i'll stick with i'll stick with a young guy who you actually might be able to get off waivers uh he's 50 percent owned right now and i would like to remind you that he is very good at basketball when he is healthy uh and if he's taken in your league you should be trying to make a kind of cheap bid for him uh Roy Hachimura for the Washington Wizards yeah Yeah. dynasty league especially because you know Mm -hmm. he's a rookie and he's going to be good but he's been he missed a ton of games due to injury and now he's back and he's back uh the last three games he's averaging 13.3 points 8.3 rebounds um and that's really all you're getting but that's those are good things. He's giving you almost a double double. Uh, and he's just someone like a young player who the wizards who are garbage on defense, but great on offense. Uh, he's going to get you boards. He's going to get you points and he's going to get a ton of minutes. And for that team, that's floundering. So I, I, the fact that he's under 60% owned is baffling to me. And I understand that he's coming off of a major injury, uh, but you should be buying him right now as hard and as fast as you can. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I feel like his ownership is going to go up as the season progresses. Um, he's uh, yeah. Sort of like um, in older version of a power forward because he doesn't have the long range shot yet, but think about him like this, like his base is basically like 13 and nine. Right. If, and when he does develop a three point shot over the next, you know, five to 10 minutes of his super young career, (laughs) you know, like he's a player that can get better. You should consider this his floor and um, his ceiling. I don't know, like 18 and 12 or something like that. Like if he's on the right team with, uh, given the right circumstances. I mean, the wizards have a strangely crowded front court all of a sudden. Um, but like he's their rookie, he's going to be playing for them. And, uh, for assets like, like when you're thinking about next year in dynasty leagues, he's the sort of guy you want because you can probably acquire him fairly cheaply. And you can be pretty certain that DC is going to want him to do well. So, you know, I would assume he'd be in a better situation next year, just in terms of like shot attempts. Yeah. Hit me with another buy you got. Okay. I am staying young as well. This guy is 18.7% owned. He's 23 years old. Yeah. And I have a question mark next to his name, but (laughs) I think, I think he's the sort of dude that we were just talking about. I'm going with Michael Bridges. Since December 1st, this is Michael Bridges on Phoenix, by the way. Uh, And yeah, no one knows who he is. He's under 20% owned. It's totally cool. Since December 1st, he's shooting 37.9% from three and 52% from the floor overall. He's back in the starting five now. He's very cheap to acquire. As I said, he's 18% owned. He's been a top 50 player over the past 30 days. Um, And that's only... and. Over the past month, he's only been getting seven shots per game. If he keeps those ratios up, like I said, he's back in the starting five, like his shot attempts will go up as well. So he's averaging, let's see, nine, four, and two since January 1st with 1.6 steals per game and 0.9 blocks per game. Like that's 
the points aren't there, but everything else is. That's what you really want to see from a young guy like this who has disappointed so far, but uh, now seems to sort of be clicking. And that's a team. I mean, Phoenix, are they still trying? They're 21 and 33. Like, I don't, I guess they could try to get into the playoffs, but never say never. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get to play next to Devin Booker and Aiton is back and looking good and Rubio's there, so you'll get looks and Ubre has been better. Like I sort of like the starting five. Um, and I think Bridges is the sort of dude who is available and you can most likely get off waivers. So he's a big buy for me. Yeah. And uh his scoring might go up. I'm just looking at it at him right now, his stats. From last year, he he's consistently shot about thirty three percent from three. Uh, and last year, though, he shot almost four, had almost four attempts per game. And this year, he's only averaging two per game. So you could see that percentage or the attempts go up even a full, you know, could double. And he's still hitting fifty thirty three percent of them. That's going to bring his point totals up, and his rebounds are already higher than it was last year. He's a guy who you're right, getting starter minutes for a team that's going to play him because he's a young guy um that's a total asset that you're looking to buy especially when they're on that upswing before they get too big and the thing is if you buy him and he has a huge upswing and he starts getting recognized or starts getting added across a lot of leagues or starts getting you know people being like oh shit Mikael Bridges or Michael Bridges or however you say his name uh is killing it if he has a little if he starts plateauing sell him off like you got him for sure. free, sell him for something and get a little thing back. Yeah. Phoenix is going to be one of the teams that uh, dynasty players who are not doing well this year, like they're going to be looking at the bad teams. They're going to be looking at like the players that are getting minutes. They're going to be trying to find diamonds in the rough and paying attention to teams and players that the playoff teams aren't. Um, this is the sort of dude that you can invest very little in and then reap Massive rewards, just like you said. If the dude gets three weeks that's just fire, you can probably trade him off pretty nicely to a playoff team. I like the move a lot. So my final buy, uh, not available on waivers. You're going to have to trade for this man. And it's a risky Mm. move, let the record show, because his health is a question. You don't know exactly what you're going to get out of him. But I will tell you, Kristaps Porzingis has started to look like the unicorn of old in Dallas. In his last four games, scoring 27.3 points, 9.5 rebounds, one block, well, 2.5 stocks per game, and he's thrown in a couple assists there. But the biggest thing, he's shooting 41% from three while taking almost 10 attempts. So that three-point shot is starting to come, which means that point deluge is going to stay up there and could even flirt with, you know, regularly being in the high 20s. I have long been on the Chris Stapps train. I am all here for a full recovery from the ACL and just becoming what he was in New York. Will that happen? I don't know. But I think that he is someone who is right now, there's enough uncertainty about what he is consistently that you can still make a move for him. And if what we're, we've seen over the last four or five games is now what we're going to get from him, that he's now gotten his legs back under the, under him, he's feeling better, he's feeling healthy, his shot's starting to fall from deep, he could be the guy who lead, who wins you a championship because he just puts together a phenomenal second half of the season. Also, if he keeps this up, he will never be tradable ever again. Right. This could be your last chance in your whole life to be able to trade for him. Now, having said that, I felt that way when he was a fucking Nick and then look (laughs) what happened. So I don't, and boy, in retrospect, the Knicks did really, really well. Didn't they? They don't have Kristaps Porzingis and they traded Marcus Morris. It all worked out. I mean, good job. Good job. Good job. Knicks. James Dolan. You are, you are a true champion among friends, dude, playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, you know, like who needs unicorns anyway? They're mythical. Um, They're not even real. Can't even, right. He's not dude. I do sort of feel that way when I watch Dallas play though. Like I can't fucking believe that Kristaps Porzingis is a real human being 
<laughs> and then when Doncic is also playing and you're like, but that kid's chubby at like what? <laughs> and he has an arm tat and you're like, that fucking 19 year old. Oh my God. What the hell is he? And like he plays happy and then fucking unicorn sometimes has that sneer, which I kind of love. Oh, I will. Uh, this is why you, this is, you're right. This is, this is probably the only time in the season that you could trade for Chris Apps, unless he, he doesn't, you know, unless he gets injured and, or is he is still hard. considered a distressed asset because of the injury risk. Right. But you know, all he has to do is finish out the season like pretty well and you'll never be able to get him ever again. So if you want him, I come in just trying him. to go get him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's exactly, like, everybody he's, has a couple of dudes on their team. They don't need. He's exactly the guy who I'm, who I like when I'm sitting this weekend, casually sipping a, a adult beverage. I'm going to be like, Hmm, saucy Chris stamps. What, uh, what do I need to give up in order to get you onto my team? Should we move on to cells? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, right. wait, one more thing. Um, oh, pick up go. any young Raptor. Like they're all good. <laughs> Every single one of them is fantastic. 15-game winning streak for Toronto. Like, OG Ananobi, I think, is shooting over 50% from the floor. Uh, Norm Powell, who's out injured, but he's been absolutely fantastic. Terrence Davis. This team is so fucking good. They're just, they're in the two seed. Like, they're the third best team in the entire NBA. And they've had dudes out injured all year. Um, Just absolutely magnificent fuck anyway let's sell some dudes um but first we are going to take a quick ad break get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Well, the first guy who I'm selling is someone who I don't think, at least when I look at his numbers, he's been, he hasn't been bad for you, but he hasn't been kind of what maybe I thought he was going to be this year. And especially recently, and that's Draymond Green. Draymond, I think a lot of us thought, and we talked about this on earlier shows, we thought that, all right, here is this Warriors team that is going to be without Steph, without Clay. This is Draymond's, like, now it's Draymond's team with a bunch of young guys. And let's see if Draymond can, like, harness that, you know, three-point shooting, ball handling, offensive, defensive, rebounding machine that he was in those early Warriors seasons. And while he's put together some games like that, he's certainly had his fair share of triple doubles and the occasional double-double this year. Recently, it hasn't been quite as good for him. Um, and I just And I think that he is someone who still has enough name recognition that there's someone in your league who hasn't been paying attention to the Warriors because they're trash. And so no one watches them. No one really cares about what they're doing. That I think you could still sell Draymond for a player that is, I mean, he's not a top 50 player in ESPN um, on their radar. And let me see if he's even a top hundred player, which means that there is plenty. He's not even top hundred. Not even top 100 player Raiders. So, like, there are plenty of players who I think who name-wise are less recognizable than Draymond, who you can maybe sell Draymond for uh, and, and get back a better, uh, a better fantasy player. I agree with that, um, especially if you're in a dynasty. I would say this as a dude that would think about buying Draymond from you. I would say to myself, hmm, if Steph Curry's really coming back, then that might light a fire under Draymond's ass, in which case 
if I don't have to give up too much to get him, I might be getting like a really good player back um, later on this season. And the second thing I think is Draymond might be reinvigorated next year when everybody's back and when the team, you know, isn't a mash unit and sure. Yeah. This why is not try to acquire something that I know can be like his floor is high. His ceiling though is low. I right. think at this point. And I, and um, I, if this is a dynasty league that you're talking about, then yeah, sure. I, I think if you're in a redraft league though, and you drafted Draymond with this idea that, all right, he is going to be like, averaging a double double either in rebounds points oh yeah or re, you know assists and points like he is going to be old school Draymond he is going to be running the yeah, show and up team. I totally thought that right for sure I think it's now you sell him because that's we've seen enough to know that you're going to get some games like that you're not going to get reliably that and there are plenty of players out there who will give you more give your fantasy team more that I think you could make the tr- trade for without too much com- complex. And I got to say, I'm like a little surprised that he, the team is so shitty that like, I keep thinking, well, maybe they'll just shut him down. Right. But um, he's still playing, still averaging like 30 minutes. So yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, I thought that he was going to take this opportunity and be like, this is Draymond's team. Um, you know, just sort of see it as a challenge for himself. Like I'm going to show everybody. Um, and that just did not happen. points 6.4 boards 6.2 assists while shooting 28% from three and like at least now that they traded DAR like we don't have to watch Draymond like get so fucking furious during a game (laughs) when Russell like just missed something except like you know Wiggins is going to make some boneheaded plays sometimes too but he's a much 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 better defender I know, DNR but I'm was. I'm actually very excited for the Andrew Wiggins reclamation project in in Golden State. Sure, I'm very yeah. Excited. Why not? Like he's still young too. Super Shit. young. Uh, yeah. All right, give us a sell. Okay, I am going to sell a guy that I do like and I do think is good, but I just don't think that his value will ever be higher than this. Really, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, who is very popular these days um he is up 49 (laughs) percent to 50 percent on espn he's now 50 percent. he was one percent before he shot uh 13 threes in two games so he shot those threes he shot seven against memphis a young team and six against chicago a dumb team i (laughs) don't think (laughs) I don't think that this is Furkan's, um, like, new baseline. He's been on Philadelphia the whole year, you know? Like, if he was going to be shooting and making half a dozen threes every single game, then he should have fucking done it before they traded for some dudes so that maybe they wouldn't have had to trade for the dudes they did trade for. Anyway, um, those are two, you know, you can't trust anything for Memphis and Chicago defensively wise. However, in Korkmaz's defense, he is tied for the 20th best three-point percentage of those players who have made at least 100 threes this year. He's at 39.8% from three, which is the same as Dame Lillard. Not fucking bad. Um, He's a good player. He's a sharpshooter. He's also very young. But there's an opportunity here to quickly flip a dude who's gone up nearly 50 percent in ownership um because like odds are that the other dudes that philadelphia just traded for will also be taking some shots um you know gr3 is there alec burks is there and there's just dude josh richardson has been out injured and they're bringing him back slowly um so i just think this is going to be the absolute apex for Furkan. uh so i would flip the shit out of it yeah, I I love that. I love young players that you can get uh, who've had a huge ascension off of waivers, you know, where people suddenly become, this is like exactly what I was talking about with Mikel Bridges or Michael Bridges. How, how is it Michael or is it Mikel? Because it looks like Mikel. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they've, they only say bridges during the broadcast Damn it, Maddie, for, and I don't like things. watch that many Suns broadcasts. You don't watch every single Suns <laughs> game. How could you? 
they are fun though. Like you can see how the team can work. Um, and it, it, I think they'll be good next year. I do. Okay. okay good for you. Um, anyways, <laughs> but like, this, they still this don't is have the, Luca though. This is the exact scenario that Mikel Bridges like presents where it's buy him at his floor. He rockets up, he gets popular, hits his apex. He's never going to hit that apex again. You sell him off and you get, you know, an underperforming veteran in return that's going to suddenly get his shit together because he's a veteran and you know what to expect from him. Love it. Dude, and if these guys turn into fucking Giannis, then, like, okay, shit. Well, I I should have kept, like, one of Bummer. the seven best players in the NBA, I guess, when I had five minutes of data on him and it seemed like an abnormality. But whatever, it's fine. Weird shit happens. It would be cool if they became some of the best players who ever lived. Is it likely? No. Uh, my second sell is a guy who I don't think is going to play any poorer than he has. It's just that he's not going to have the ball in his hands that much uh, anymore. And that's Malcolm mm. Brogdon uh, because Victor Oladipo is back. And despite the fact that Malcolm Brogdon had a very good start to the season and did a lot of good things for the Pacers, um, though he did miss some games, this is still Victor Oladipo's team. And so the ball is just not going to be in his hands as much. He's going to not be, he'll still have some big games. Obviously he had big games with the bucks when the ball was never in his hands uh, because of Giannis. But I think that, I think you can given his injuries and given the return of Victor Lodipo, I don't think that he is going to have the full season kind of production that you expected from him at the start of this season uh, and or at the level that that you maybe have gotten used to from this season, but the beginning of this season, you know, when he was averaging like twenty plus points and ten plus re- assists, still is fresh enough in people's minds that I think you could sell pretty high on him. I mean, there's <laughs> it's so weird at this time of year because it's the dog days for the NBA. You know, like football's over. Baseball is still sort of just a glimmer, but early leagues are starting and people are getting excited about pitchers and catchers. And then the NBA goes into the all-star break and it's like everyone catch their breath. And now every single fantasy league is bifurcated because there are teams that are expressly thinking about tomorrow. And then there are teams that are expressly thinking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can, you know, flip an asset that you don't need, then you absolutely should. Like, there's no question about that. Um, And players that you don't really, players that didn't cost you anything to acquire, you should, you know, if you can get like double their value, especially if you like the player coming back to you more or the pick coming back to you more, then absolutely do that. Like, you can't get too attached to being like, I, you know, I was the first one to pick him up. It was my good idea. Like, you should try to capitalize on your good decision making and try to get something real tangible out of it. Um, there's over the next few, like three weeks, once we get out of the all-star break, we're going to see a lot of teams start changing their rosters. Um, and we're going to see players. I do think we'll see more buyouts. So it's like, you should try to take advantage of it right now. You know, like people are excited right now and they're going to start looking at teams. Like you said, at rosters right now. And once everything clarifies in a couple of weeks, a lot of that opportunity will be gone. Yep. Uh, what's your final sell? Who you got? Um, who are you getting rid of? Mm, you don't even got this. I mean, person. like I said this earlier, so I'll just stick with it. PJ Tucker is a big sell for me. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that he's, I just don't think that he's going to be able to stay out on the floor as much. Like, Okay. Harden and Tucker are sixth and seventh in total minutes played this year. Like, and now you're going to put him at center and you're going to be asking him not to foul out by the way. Um, I I just, (laughs) I don't know, man. I really have a bad, bad feeling about this and it's, you know, he's 47% owned. He's never been able to score a lot on this team. He hasn't needed to. And I do think that he'll get some like nice, clean, easy shots, but, I would be selling on this. I just don't know how it's going to look. It, like in the three games they've played with him at center, one was really good. 
one was terrible and one was in between. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, if you can get someone young and good for Tucker, because Tucker can still give a team value, you know, right. he's a valuable fantasy player. I just have such a terrible feeling about that. I, you know, I <laughs> like this, to me, the fact that they didn't really get a center and I think Tyson Chandler is maybe still on their team, yeah, but like that they, he is okay. So yeah. like, it's not all the way, but like he's, when was the last time you saw him play? Like the fact that you, that they couldn't get even a cheap, like Willie Cauley Stein, you know, like right. there, that was such a good move. And you would think that Houston could do something like this. So they're, I do think they're all in. I'd like to say that D'Antoni sort of maybe has one foot out the door because of his contract status. So mm. it's like, why not fucking throw everything I possibly can at this to go out my way? Uh, maybe Daryl Morey feels the same way. Like if Houston doesn't do well, then the owner will be able to see, say like, oh yeah, well, my front office and coach didn't want us to get a real center and we should have. So now I fired both of them and I'm blowing up the team. Uh, I don't think that will happen, but I, I can just see so many different ways that this goes wrong. Like if any one of the starters on Houston, including Robert Covington, who has been injured before, like the team gets so fucking thin so fast in the front court. It's, it's really terrifying. And these guys are going to get the shit kicked out of them when they go up against offensive minded centers. Like Gobert only took six shots against Houston. Yeah. It's just, just this whole move, this whole move is just doesn't seem smart in the West. Where I, I can see big, like picks. the temptation to try it because I do think that what this does offensively is it opens things up for Russell Westbrook. And so great, sure. fine. But like, that's always been the problem with Russell Westbrook's teams, which is just two at this point, OKC and Houston, is that you try so much to accommodate him that the rest of the team sort of becomes uh, obviously less significant. You know, like if you're going to not play with a center, with a dude who's like at least 6'10", because Westbrook needs open lanes because he can't hit threes, then that's... Like, your problem isn't the center. Your problem is that you have a player that you can't have a real team around. Um, in Houston's defense, neither Harden and Harden and Westbrook seem to be on-off. Like, when one's doing well, the other one isn't really. So if they really start to click and synchronize, then I'm sure that they'll be great. Houston's still dangerous, and they will hopefully still get someone tall. It's just, like, this is a lot to ask. Like, Gobert is not an offensive-minded center. He's not someone like Joker, you know, like there are, there are bigs that are going to try to beat the living oh, shit uh, down yes. on the block. Like so, the whole Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. how is PJ Tucker going to fare against Anthony Davis or LeBron or Dwight or any of their bigs that they're going to do? How about a, a Hassan Whiteside? You know, yeah. like even sort of like lower tier guys. Like, yeah, let's I, look at not even the top teams in the West. Let's look at the middle teams of the West. I, it's just, I understand that you can look back at like the Warriors small ball run and be like, yes, that is what made them so special. And they were able to just run teams off the court because of it. But that centered around Draymond Green, who was able to body up big ass centers and then outrun them on on the offensive side this seems right like, unless, unless two they, of the greatest right. shooters of right. all time and right. then three of the greatest scorers of all time right. like come on so like unless <laughs> unless the rockets know something about pj tucker that we don't know it just seems it's a surprise to me when the trend now that the warriors are broken up everyone is like let's get big and the rockets are like let's get small but not have that like defensive anchor in store who's going to be like, all right, but you know, we're going to get small, but we know we can still be able to cover and shut down, you know, like AD to me is the biggest glare. Like if you are thinking you're going to get out of the West, you're going to go through the Lakers. And I'm not sure PJ Tucker is going to cover Anthony Davis in a seven game series. Also, for the dub's first title, they had uh what's his face? The Australian dude. Oh yeah. Um, um uh Andrew you know, Bogart. Like, yeah, exactly. Like they've they've had 
centers. You know, right. it's that when they put their death lineup in, it's because they've taken their starting center out. You know, like they had their closing five was the one with Draymond going small. Their starting five had Bogut. And then uh, I forget all the other dudes, but like they've had centers. If Tyson Chandler is still there and can still be a defensive player and doesn't need to shoot, then great. Fine. Cool. That's great. I just feel like when I saw PJ Tucker down on the floor the other night on the court and, you know, just like needed to take a second, (laughs) take a breath. I was just like, man, I've seen this Mike D'Antoni fucking movie before. Yeah. You know, like this is the Knicks. This is Stoudemire. This is running the suns into the ground. This is like, I have seen D'Antoni just sort of fall in love with starting his five dudes and not letting them leave. And now that you have put yourself in the, or now that you find yourself in this position, I don't know if they put themselves into it. um, I think you have to be really fucking careful. Like if PJ yeah. Tucker or Robert Covington get hurt, what happens? What do you do? You're screwed. Which is like, just and and maybe it, maybe it works, and and we should wrap up the show. But like maybe maybe this works for them. You look back on it, Daryl Morey's a genius. It all worked out. Yeah. But also, you can look back on it, and when it fails, you're like, somehow the Rockets wasted like yet another just incredible season from one of the best scorers in NBA history. And like we should say Houston's 33 and 20. They're a really good team. (laughs) Um, Westbrook and Harden are positively terrifying, no matter what the setting is. Mike Tantoni is a good coach. Uh, You know, is question. mark. I I don't like him, (laughs) but um, he's considered a good coach. Guess why? He doesn't call plays, whatever. Um, Houston's still dangerous, and it's really probably going to come down to um, who, where they are in the bracket in the playoffs that matters, mm-hmm. unless they can some, get some weird buyout. But it's like, if they go up against the Lakers, that's going to be a real fucking problem, as you said. If they go up against, I don't know, like OKC could be tough for them with totally. Steven Adams. Yeah. Like, that's... There are some teams, I, you know, I still think that Utah, I don't know. The Clippers, though, it's just there's so many big dudes in the West, even in teams like we said, Hassan Whiteside and Portland's in the ninth seed. They still want to go in. Um, San Antonio is big dudes. <laughs> when they play, when Houston plays the Pelicans, that's going to be amazing to watch. Mm. Um, Especially in the playoffs. Pelican playoff team still alive. Yeah, they're uh, five games back of Memphis. And <laughs> I think Zion has, like, one of the best true shooting percentages since he started playing or something. Oh, He's man. amazing. Um, I love that team already. Like, two oh, of yeah. my favorite players are on that team, Brandon Ingram and Zion. So, yeah. And JJ's there. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Anyway, good luck to Houston. I hope it does work out because it would be awesome to watch PJ just fucking dominate. Sure. But I, I would be selling him. I could not agree with you more. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Players to buy and sell. Little Jason Datum love. Uh, And you know what, Natty? Because we're pros, we worked in some uh, NBA trade recap without even planning it. Oh, yeah. You said you wanted to say one more thing about Boston with the trade deadline. What was it? Oh, no. I was just saying, why didn't they make a move for a center? Oh, okay. Why 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 didn't Danny Age just put all of his cojones in the pot and be like, look, we can make a championship run. Let's go get a true difference maker. Maybe they don't think they need to, but like a Davis Bertans would have been real nice. Clint Capella could have been nice. I that one I'm less sure on. A shooter like Davis Burton off the bench. Uh, who gives you instant offense would be quite glorious. But you know what, Natty? I've resolved myself to it being okay. You know why? You guys are still good. No, we're going to sign Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah Thomas is going to be that spark plug off the bench. And uh, we're going to go to... Yeah, I forgot about that. Championship. Uh, That... I, I mean, you guys left things so bad. I, with I have no idea. I have no idea if that would actually happen. I really IT, hope he gets picked up by you. someone, though. Yeah, come on. I love you. IT. Like he. You wait, out of the playoff teams, who would make the most sense? Not Boston. 
or you know, say take, someone aside from Boston anyway. If I take Boston out of the equation, I mean, it depends what it is right now, but like, if you're th- like, I think he's Philly? having his best three point shooting career or season but. Philly. I mean, Philly sure. always could use shooters. I feel like that's sure. just what they need to surround everyone with. Um, yeah. How about six man in Memphis? <laughs> <laughs> How about Memphis I mean, make a move? Come on. Who says no. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Fake Teams Podcast Channel. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. The whole nine yards. Just search fake teams. We'll be right there. Leave us a review. Give us five stars because you love hearing about fantasy basketball in a very rambling fashion. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the long two podcast. We will be back at you next week. Natty, until then, have a good one. Enjoy the all-star game. I predict that everyone will be playing hard defense Mm. in honor of Kobe. I think there's a chance this, this game could get a little rowdy. Ooh, I like it. I like that prediction. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Also with the new weird rules. But anyway, watch the All-Star game.